everybody, and welcome to Take a Knee. We're back in our next season and very excited about sharing some things with you and so glad you've been patient. We've had some time of vacation and rest, and it's been very, very good. But we're getting back to it. Today, I want to share a story with you about a cheerful little girl with bouncy golden curls who was almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them a circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, mommy, please, mommy, can I have them? Please, mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. $1.95. That's almost $2. If you really want them, I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time, you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her penny bank and counted all 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her fair share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked Mrs. McJames if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma did give her another brand-new dollar bill, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said that if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very lovely daddy, and every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and came upstairs to read her a story. One night, as he finished the story, he asked Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. Then would you give me those pearls? Oh, uh, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have the princess, the white horse from my collection, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? She's my very favorite. Oh, that that's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's daddy again asked, Do you love me? Daddy, you know that I love you then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She is so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed. And as he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, this is for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace, and with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case the strand of genuine pearls, and gave them to Jenny. He had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so that he could give her the genuine treasure. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He is waiting for us to give up the cheap things in our lives so that we can give, or rather he can give us, the beautiful treasures. Isn't God good? Are you holding on to things that God wants you to get rid of or to let go of? Are you holding on to harmful or unnecessary partners, relationships, habits, and activities? 
that you have come so attached to that it seems impossible to let it go? Sometimes it is so hard to see what is in the other hand, but do believe this one thing. God will never take away something without giving you something better in its place. What a wonderful story. I'm, I'm sure you liked it like I did. I'm not sure of the author, but it gives us a very poignant and very powerful truth. We know that God gave his only begotten son, didn't he? He gave us the best that he had. That's hard for us to imagine. In fact, I've heard people say sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, gosh, man, God killed his only son. What a terrible thing for a father to do. Well, we can't understand it. We can certainly not put our emotions fully around it, but we can understand the sacrifice. We can understand the loss. You know, as a father, I think to myself, you know, there are times when, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to lose any of my sons. And I have three. And yet I'm sitting in a situation, you know, as a father to have to emotionally put myself in God's place. And when I can, of course, he's not asking that of me, but it is something that he did. And I can't believe or think that maybe in any sense that God did not suffer. Can God suffer? Could it have broken his heart? Well, certainly, as we know the story, Jesus, as he hung there on the cross and as he was dying, we know that it's recorded in scripture that he said, Father, why have you abandoned me? It is at that moment that Jesus senses, experiences God turning his face away. The scripture tells us that when it came to the blessing that God's people were taught to pray that his face would be toward them and that his face would represent his favor that when God was looking upon us, that all things would come. But then God turned his face away. That teaches us something quite remarkable when it comes to how the kingdom of God works. So many people have that question today, you know, why does God let evil happen on the earth? Well, it's because we do not have the perspective. In fact, a lot of people might even say, why does God do it? Well, as far as I understand, when God turns his face away, what he's really doing is letting us have what we want. He lets us be turned over to our own devices. Paul talks about this when he encounters a couple of members in the church who are just not learning their lesson, and they're doing very bad things to him and, and to the church. And he says, you know, we have to turn them over so that their sin will eventually do its work. It's hard for us to comprehend. But again, the indictment is not against God. When it comes to our sin and when it comes to our selfishness, like this little girl who was learning what selfishness really was in a very visceral, real way. And it gets into our passions, the things we love, the things we like, the things we want to hold on to with a white knuckle fist. God has a way of getting into that and helping us follow his paths, being willing to give up those things in our lives, that it would be actually exchanged for something better. Isn't that the life lesson right there? Isn't that really the kingdom of God when we think of it in its entirety and its fullness? That so many times we're holding on to those things that we think are bringing us joy. And maybe they are just a little bit, but it's nothing in comparison to the great joy that we will receive in a matter of time, when God lifts us up from the time of sacrifice, clearly shown to us in the work of Christ, he suffered there, of course, for several days. But then 
rose from the dead. And, and just like a, a new mother who experiences the birthing pains and the struggle and the absolute agony in bringing forth a child, when that baby is now being held in her arms, she has no thought of what she just experienced because it is overwhelmed by the elation. It's overwhelmed by finally this vision, this dream, this child is, is now in my arms. So it is with those things in this world that we have to carry and we have to bear and we have to struggle with until the day of the birthing and bringing forth what is God is really trying to give us, God wants us to have. The discipline that we endure, the lack that we endure, the putting off the urgency of what we want right now in comparison to what God wants to give us. This is how the kingdom of God works, my friend, and this is how we all experience the upgrade, the upgrade from one experience in God to the next. And this will be your life, my friend, and we can delay this or we can get busy getting those upgrades. I just upgraded my phone and its software. And of course, you know, they tell you that it's going to keep those bugs and potential harmful hacks away from us in our use of our phone or our laptop, our computer. And the upgrade is, in essence, an upgrade in programming, an upgrade in truth, exposing the attacks of those who have nefarious ideas. And so it goes in the world. You know, the enemy is always after you. He's after your stuff. He's trying to confuse you. He wants to delay you. He wants to keep you from getting on the horse and then pushing you off the other side if you can. Never to ever ride the kingdom horse with all the elation and the excitement and the moving forward that God has planned for us. So we have to trust him and we have to resist the urge to do things out of the purpose of God. And when God asks us to surrender something of our time, of our energy, of our resources, that we're willing to do it. It is a hard journey. It is a good journey. Because if we want God's face toward us, then it comes from us wanting to see his face. It's wanting to please him. In our story today, the little girl, the father was pleading with her to simply ask her, hey, would you be willing to give up your little treasure? But again, she doesn't know what it means. It does seem kind of cruel, doesn't it, that the father didn't tell her that she might get an upgrade if she did? Well, isn't that just the way it really works, which is why this story is so poignant and so applicable. We all live in a life where God is asking us to surrender our Sundays, to surrender our evenings in a small group, to surrender 10% of our income when it comes to tithing, surrendering chunks of money when it comes to helping advance the kingdom of God in some beneficial way for someone who is poor and needy. These are all things that are the kingdom of God. And we learn, we grow. It is a path that has been taught us. It is a path that has been shown to us. And it is a path that is now our path that leads right up to the cross. I preached from and just recorded a sermon from Psalm 16. And I encourage you to read that. If you're not watching or coming to Valley, I encourage you to read Psalm 16 today and read it. Maybe tomorrow morning you're in devotions. 
and take note of David's absolute confidence in the work of God in his own life. Well, it's good to be back, and I'm glad you're checking in with me again. Very excited about this next season, creative things and new revelation, and of course, taking a knee to hear something that God has for us. So bless you. You have a wonderful day. Matter of fact, I'll take a quick moment to pray for us. Lord, bless us. Keep us. Make your face shine upon us today. And Lord, may all our plans in you succeed. And Lord, give us grace. Give us grace, Lord, to be able to pass the tests and the opportunities for the upgrade because we most certainly want them and we most certainly need them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, folks. We'll see you next week. 